Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Paymakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Really appreciate you giving me a shot. If you've been rocking with me since the beginning, appreciate you guys tuning back in. Uh, just a quick note, if you hear a humming in the background, my neighbor just decided to start cutting grass at 8.16 p.m. for whatever reason. Um, so if you hear some noise in the background, that's probably what that is. But yeah, man, uh, less than 40 days away from FSU football. Man, it has been the longest offseason in history, it seems like. But uh, going to get into a, a few things. I uh, had a, a, a number of listener questions, so... Definitely going to get into that. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and thank our sponsors at betonline.ag. Um, they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball, latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. With the training camp right around the corner, BetOnline has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. But yeah, man, so I want to give a shout out to some Twitter followers that submitted some some really good questions. Uh, I had a few things that I wanted to kind of talk about in general. And, you know, I mean, I could I could kind of talk about them at any point, really, so... And I was kind of waiting to see if we had any recruiting news to drop. You know, we're kind of we're training for, uh, you know, a couple guys. And so and then we have ACC kickoff coming up uh, on Wednesday. And so I kind of was debating. And I was like, well, I kind of want to pod. I, I had some time this week. Work has been steady, but not overbearing. So I said, let me just put it out there and see if we had uh, any questions from uh, listeners that they want covered. And you guys really came through. So I want to shout out. Um, the following people from Twitter. So Jet Jackson, Godson, Mad Noel, James Thompson, Alex Hewlett, and Ashlyn Page. Appreciate you guys sending in the questions. Going to get into those and then just some general thoughts on a, on a couple of things. And then we'll see what unfolds throughout the rest of the week from ACC kickoff and, of course, recruiting. But the first question was um, what do you think would be the top improvements over the summer from team from the team or individual aspects? You know, some things I'm looking for. Well, I think the, the biggest thing I'm looking for, obviously, you, you you know, we need Jordan Travis to be healthy. But the biggest improvement I'm looking for is f- from him as a passer. We saw that improvement, you know, over the last three or four games last year. And he averaged over 250 a game about 60 yards on the ground, didn't really turn the ball over. And, you know, he showed that the offense was was more than just, a you know, a one-dimensional running game offense. And so 
Um, we're going to be looking for that in um, in the, in the fall camp. You know, see what the reports are coming out because if he can do that, uh, become a, a viable passing quarterback. You know, that's going to open up all different types of things. Uh, as far as far as him running the ball, as far as the running backs running the ball. Uh, of course, you know, we're going to need help from the offensive line to hold blocks and all that good stuff. But Jordan Travis as a passer, along with him staying healthy, that is the key to the season. I mean, that is everything right there. So going to be looking for that. And then um, also one other thing that's kind of a an intuitive thing that I noticed with him last year. You know, we know Jordan can run. Jordan knows he can run. And there were times last year, specifically, I remember in the Clemson game where it was almost like he kind of had the E.J. Manuel syndrome a little bit where he could have ran, but he wanted to hang in a pocket to try to make a passing play. But had he taken off when, you know, right when the opportunity created itself or presented itself, I should say, you know, he could have gotten, you know, a much needed first down, you know, instead of, you know, throwing an incomplete pass or whatever. Now, he did do a better he did do a better job of avoiding big hits when running and and he kind of protected himself a lot better. Um, so that, that was something I was looking for last year. And I kind of saw that as the season progressed, but there were opportunities last year where he could have took off and ran and he didn't. And I know, I know they want to pass the ball, but at the same time, you know, if you have an opportunity and there's 10, 12 yards of broken grass in front of you, bro, just take it. You know, get the yards, you know, keep it short and manageable and then go from there. But at the same time, you know, he does need to protect himself from taking big hits. So um, another question is, um, who is the most improved unit, not including O-line? Um, and who am I ready to watch? I think the the most improved unit, um, not including O-line, probably has to be the linebacker core. I mean, you got Deloach coming back. You got Tatum Bethune in there. I mean, they were improved last year over what FSU has had over the past few years. And I think, you know, Deloach took a step last year. You know, Bethune had over 100 tackles. And then you got Gaynor and you got Lundy there. Lund I saw that Lundy's dropped like 20, 25 pounds, which should be helpful with him and coverage whenever he's out there. So you had experience returning. You have depth at that position and you know a lot of times FSU struggle to get off the field on third down because they struggled in coverage um, with those linebackers so if those guys take a, a step forward then and I, and I think they will that's going to help the uh, the defense um, immensely uh, the other part of that question was who am I ready to watch I'm ready to watch the defensive ends because you know you lose Keir Thomas you lose Jermaine Johnson enter Jared Verse enter Dennis Briggs and Derek McClendon and Patrick Payton and, you know, Leonard Warner's back. I don't know how much he'll play, but, you know, he'll, he's a body out there. And I'm curious to see how much of a drop-off we're going to have at defensive end. Uh, I think there will be some drop-off. But I don't I don't know if it'll be as, as much as, we, you know, it's hard to say. I, I've said this before in the pod, you know, a lot of people get caught up in, oh, you know, we're, we're not going to have as many sacks and sacks are great. But at the same time, as long as you're affecting the quarterback and and making him make decisions quicker, you know, making him move off a spot, making him, 
um, throw uh, from an unbalanced position. All of those things are important and can can affect the quarterback. You know, so you don't necessarily have to have a hope. I mean, you want sacks, obviously, but um, as long as they're getting and, and putting pressure on him, uh, I think I think that'll be big. So, um, but yeah, I'm curious to see you know the transition for verse from. FCS to the ACC. I think Briggs is going to be fine. I saw Briggs checked in at 280. Woo! That's a big boy over there on, on the opposite side. Um, and he was he was a good pass rusher from the uh, defensive tackle position. So um, I'm curious to see how he performs. And I, I said I said several times I thought Derek McClendon would be my sleeper as far as defensive end. He's put in a lot of work, changes his body. So that is uh, – that's who I'm looking forward to watching the most um, as far as uh, different units other than the offensive line. Uh, another question is, which freshman will have the most impactful season? Um, I think you got to start at the top with the two top guys that they brought in and uh, Sam McCall and uh, Azariah Thomas. I think both of those guys will uh, play uh, early. Um, it's hard to say how early, but I think, Towards the, the middle of the year, towards the end of the year, we'll see those guys quite a bit. And not only that, um, I think we can see those guys on special teams. Actually, there's a few guys I will put on special teams. That's where you want to put, you know, your best athletes, and that's what Jimbo used to do back in the day. And so, you know, special teams will be an opportunity for um, players like um, Rodney Hill. He's extremely fast. Brian Courtney is a, is a physical freak. He's like 6'4", 235. Um, you have and runs a four five forty. You got a more a more Graham who has a nose for the ball. So special teams could be an opportunity for uh, several freshmen to go out there and and make an impact. Um, but most of the class from last year, you know, you, you brought in um, six offensive tackles. I hopefully none of none of those guys see the field. Um, you, you know that's been the problem with FSU in the past. Those guys have been playing too early. Hopefully. We have enough depth, and I think we do that those freshmen can have a year to sit, uh, get bigger, stronger, faster in the strength and conditioning program. And um, But I think you got to start at the top with McCall and Thomas. But I think uh, Rodney Hill and um, Brian Courtney and Omar Graham can get on the field as well. Um, the tight ends, uh, the other tight end, uh, was it Powers? Probably, you know, I guess he could get on special teams maybe, but I know Courtney's just a lot faster. So that's what I was thinking with that. Um, next question is, besides Micah Pittman and Winston Wright, how much of an impact will others have and uh, who has the highest ceiling? Well, you got uh, Malik McLean, who returns after a decent freshman season. You know, can he take the next step? You have, you know, and I, I've said this too, uh, one guy that a lot of people are sleeping on is Ja'Kai Douglas. Douglas is uh, no longer playing or s- switching between running back and wide receiver. And whenever they put him at wide receiver last year in the Notre Dame game, he produced. Later in the year, they moved him back to wide receiver, and he produced. And I remember seeing him uh, in the game against, I think it was UMass, at running back, and I was like, that was one thing I could not figure out. was, why – in the world, do they have him a running back? He's not a running back. And so it looks like they finally made the move and put uh, Ja'Kai Douglas back at um, wide receiver. And then, you, of course, you have Johnny Wilson, the uh, the X factor, if you will. Um, big old target. Could be a, a great red zone target. Um, so 
how much of an impact can they make? It's it's hard to say, man, really, um, without seeing them. I know Douglas seemed to be the most consistent guy uh in spring. You know, he continued to flash and make plays just as he did in the in the in the latter half of the season there, or last few games I should say. Um, like I said, McLean can flash at times, you know, Johnny Wilson would flash at times, you know, but then he would have drops, you know, he he had a couple drops in the spring game. So it's, it's really hard to, to, to say, you know, how much of an impact they can have outside of Pittman and Wright. I think Pittman is going to be the guy that he's going to be the glue. He's he's going to make the, the tough catches. Um, you know, they can use him in, in a variety of ways. And I'm still not sure where Winston Wright is in his recovery. It sounds like things are moving and progressing well. And so I'm not quite sure exactly when he'll return. Um, hopefully it's uh, sooner opposed to later, but of course his health is number one. But if he comes back and he can be 90% of what he was, then he's definitely going to be a factor. And, you know, out, you put him out there and you put um, McLean out there, you put Pittman out there, and you got Wilson out there, you got a good combination of smaller guys, bigger guys that can do a lot of different things. So um, that is uh, who has a high ceiling. Well, talent-wise, I mean, Deuce Mann probably has the, the biggest ceiling. I mean, his combination of size and speed, you, you, you can't teach that, but he's still learning the position. Um, but let's just, let's just eliminate him since he probably won't play that much this year. Um, I, I think they'll probably put him in a couple packages. But as far as the high ceiling, I think you got to go with probably Johnny Wilson. I mean, you don't come across a guy that's 6'5", 6'6", and two thirty-five. You know that can move and uh, you know create mismatches. I mean, he's he's similar to Kelvin Benjamin in a lot of aspects. And you know, when Benjamin was a first round uh, wide receiver, um, which we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Somebody brought up that question about FSU wide receivers later. But uh, I guess I would have to say Wilson would have the high ceiling. Um, he still has three years remaining, I think it is. You know, so even if he does not flash. You know, right off the bat, you know, I think maybe next year could be a breakout year for him as well. And we saw that with Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin. You know, he redshirted his first year um, and then 2012. I think he had like, you know, 30 catches from 500 yards and five touchdowns. And then but then that 2013 season is when he really exploded and became a first round draft pick. So that's one way of looking at it. Um, Next question. <laughs> this is funny. So. Why is everyone scared to tell the true story about Destin Hill? Well, I think I I, I really honestly don't know um, the story on Destin Hill. Um, whatever happened, um, I know the staff, you know, wanted wanted that to to stay under wraps or what have you. Um, and I guess eventually, you know, that story will come out, whatever happens. Um, but I don't know what happened. I'm not going to speculate on what happened. And so uh, we'll just, you know, let that play out as it plays out. Um, it's a guy that I, I hoped would make it at campus. But, you know, I said it after uh, in December when he didn't make it in December. I was like, man, you know, if he don't come in spring, it's probably a wrap. And, of course, you know, they they, they pushed it back to the summer and they expect him in the summer, and he's still not here yet. So, um, you know, that ship is sailed, I believe. And uh, good luck to the kid. Wherever he is, he just seemed to disappear off the face of the earth, and uh, hopefully, you know, things work out for him. Um, next question is, why 
Are there no no's in the Heisman house or in those commercials? I think uh, I don't know the answer specifically, but I think it's tied to those commercials are sponsored by Nissan. So some of those guys may be sponsored by uh, other car companies. I think Jameis or some other ones have been sponsored by Ford or something in the past. So you kind of have a, a conflict there. Um, so it's probably something along those lines. I don't think it's one of those things where it's like, you know, FSU or ESPN hates FSU or, or players or anything like that. Um, because uh, Charlie Ward has been in a couple of those commercials before. Um, I think it's more of a, a contract and advertisement deal as to why those guys are not in those commercials. Um, next question is, with all the speed in Florida, why can't uh, FSU get a first or second round talent besides Kelvin Benjamin? And then the second part of that question is, how many have we had, I guess he's saying first or second round talents in the last 20 years? And so when you think about it, um, we've had three wide receivers drafted in the first or second round since 2002. Javon Walker went in the first round of 2002. Anquan Bolding went uh, the second round uh, 2003. And Kelvin Benjamin went in the first round 2014. And you say, okay, well, man, in the last 20 years, what happened? Well, you know, 2002 to 2003, that's kind of the beginning of the lost decade. Uh, you know, Bowden's, you know, kind of, you know, last hoorah and, you know, of course, recruiting uh, was not at the standard that it needed to be at the time. And so that is a big factor in that. There you saw the emergence of um, Urban Meyer at Florida. And so I think that had a big impact on uh, FSU not getting, um, you know, top top guys as far as wide receivers go. Um, we did see uh, Jimbo, you know, get Kelvin Benjamin, who was a first-round draft pick, Rashad Green, who was a fifth-round draft pick, and arguably a top, top three wide receiver in FSU history. Um, you know, Kenny Shaw was undrafted, but he was really productive in college. And then after Jimbo, you know, we've, you know, been pretty terrible. And so it's been a combination of being terrible, you know, players – not having an incentive to go to Florida State because we've been that bad, uh, both in the lost decade and right now. And so um, I think that is the gist of it. You know, players want to go where um, they can play. And, you know, back going back to Jimbo, you know, Jimbo's offense. But this is the case. I said this a lot of times. It's very difficult to make the transition from high school football to college football, no matter what offense. If you look around – there are very few, and I've talked about this in several podcasts, there are very few true freshmen that come in and make an impact. Um, and I did the math on it, man, probably 30 pods ago. And um, I think it was less than 25 true freshmen uh, in the 2020 class had you know, any type of impact as far as true freshmen. So um looks like we are... You know, we got Malik McLean, who's a, a four-star. You know, I think he was number 41, number 42 nationally as a wide receiver. Um, FSU's going big well hunting this recruiting cycle with Hakeem Williams, um, Jalen Brown. Both of those guys are going to be on campus at the end of the month. And so those those guys are both big-time players. And if FSU can just get one of them, one of them, you know, that would be, that would be a win, a huge win for FSU. A huge win for Ron Dugans after not signing any high school prospects out of high school last year. Um, 
But I think that's the reasoning on why FSU has struggled to get some top guys um, over the um, the last two decades. Um, next question is, can Malik McLean and Johnny Wilson take the next step? Um, I sure hope so, man. We need them to. Um, if you look at last year, McLean flashed at times, but then you got to look at it, man, the first four games – FSU was, you know, playing two quarterbacks, trying to do dumb stuff on offense. And then the offensive line got banged up and couldn't hold blocks as well. Um, you know, Jordan wasn't comfortable in offense at times. And, you know, he isn't the, the most accurate passer either. And then guys struggled. Um, you know, McLean struggled as a, as a true freshman, as most will. Um, so there's a lot of different factors out there. Um, but, you know, he's got another year under his belt. Um, he's more familiar with the offense. The offensive line should be better. Jordan Travis should be better. So it's it's logical to expect him to take the next step. Uh, Johnny Wilson has experience. Um, he's college ready. He's physically ready. With him, it's just um, just sheer concentration and, and, and knowing and understanding the offense. You know, he just – Got here in the spring, so he does have a, uh, a spring under his belt, which should be helpful to him. And, you know, I guess the next step with him would be something like, you know, having maybe 20, 25 catches for, I don't know, three, 400 yards and a few touchdowns um, since he only has a few catchers under his belt while he was at Arizona State. Um, so I think that's kind of a logical. If you get 20 to 30 catches from Johnny Wilson, Hey, you would take that all day long because nobody had over 25 receptions last year for FSU. I think 382 yards was the um, was the uh, number of receiving yards that led the team, and Ontario Wilson had five touchdowns, which led the team. Which, whew, yeah, yeah, they were they were struggling last year. Um, Ja'Kai Pitt, uh, Ja'Kai Pittman, excuse me, Ja'Kai Douglas and Micah Pittman in space. Absolutely. That's um well I think Jakai does a really good job of taking the top off the defense. So it could be one of those instances where you send Jakai deep and then Pittman kinda comes um over the middle or works out in the flat, uh get him in space. And what I like about Pittman is when he catches the ball, he does not play around, he don't dance around, he just goes forward, gets what he can get, and you know, that's what you need. Um so yeah, I think that's gonna be a lot of the offense of, of getting those guys in space. Um, you know, trying to stretch the um, the defense and then also, um, you know, coming across the middle or getting in the flats to um, get the ball to those guys. Um, what about Keyshawn Helton? Man, man, I love Keyshawn. Um, but since the injury, obviously, you know, he didn't he hadn't been the same. And at the same time, you know, there's a lot of competition a lot of uh, – there's an infusion of talent, you know. And so, I don't know, man. I mean, if you get anything from Keyshawn, I mean, you'll take it, but I just don't know how much he's going to play. Uh, it seems like he could have been passed up on the depth chart. Um, when I think back in the spring, I don't think I remember hearing him anything about him at all. Um, you know, it seems like Ja'Kai Douglas may have kind of surpassed him on, on the depth chart. So, um, and Jarrell, uh, Joshua Burrell um, – you know, he's, you know, it's working back from the injury. You know, can he be a mismatch? Possibly. You know, he's not the he's not the the fastest guy, but he's really strong. So, um, you know, can you, you know, can he get open on a linebacker? Probably. Um, so 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he gets on the field and what he can contribute coming off the injury um, last year. But like I said, there's a lot of competition out there, man. It's only it's only so many spots. So you got to think about it. You got Michael Pittman, you got Malik McLean, Ja'Kai Douglas, um, Ontario Wilson, and um, Johnny Wilson. Then you got uh, Cameron McDonald at tight end. So, man, it's only only so many balls that can go around. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what he can do. Um, next person asked, can Pokey uh, be the occasional, um, explosive play? I mean, that's kind of what he does. You know, he kind of doesn't do anything for a while. And all of a sudden you see him, you know, going across the field against North Carolina for a long touchdown bomb and, uh, or making a, a huge one handed catch against Florida. Um, I mean, that seems to be his thing, man. So if we can, we can get a few explosive plays from him this year then I would definitely take it. Um, had a question about the Winston Wright injury. Uh, can he um, be back by midseason? It seems like, like I said, it seems like his um, his injury is healing well uh, and, and ahead of schedule. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll know more whenever uh, fall camp begins in the next week or so. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. If you hear Mike Novell talk about Wright and um, usually he's pretty upfront about things, you know, like when you think back when, um, Nazra, um, Hanson and Nazardine was hurt, you know, Mike kind of, you know, he just left it out there like, yeah, you need to work him back. If he doesn't give like a clear timetable or whatever, then you can probably, you know, think, you know, go ahead and put it in stone. It's going to be a little while before he comes back. Um, but Mike, Mike is usually pretty, pretty you know, candid about those guys. He won't give you specifics, but. I've gotten to where I can kind of read him. So if I, if I hear him in a post practice interview and somebody asks him about it, then I'll definitely talk about it on the pod and give my, I guess, interpretation of it. Um, then we got, um, Ken Portier, Darian Williamson. And I'm trying to think, Oh, span. Can they contribute anything? Like I said, man, it's a, it's, it's a lot of competition out there. Um, you know, span. I don't really expect too much from. Uh, like I said, because he's raw. You know, Portier. If it was, if it was um, Tate Rodemacher out there throwing the ball, hey, they got that back shoulder down pet. But um, other than that, he just he just he hadn't seemed to, to be able to, to do much. And same with Williamson. That Williamson's battled a lot of injuries, and and he but he flashed a few times in the spring. I remember hearing his name a few times. So um, it's possible. It's possible, man. But there's a lot of a lot of competition out there. Um, to deal with, which is great. You know, that's why the coaches went through the portal. You know, they needed more competition. They needed more depth. Um, they needed more talent. And that's what they did when they went and got those guys from the transfer portal. So I'm really, really excited to see what this offense looks like. Um, last year, they were they were inefficient, you know, getting getting to the red zone and i heard jeff cameron say this on his radio show the other day he said that they were terrible in the red zone and that was that is not true at all they actually were one of the better teams in the red zone they scored touchdowns 75 percent of the time and scored 90 percent of the times uh whenever they got in the red zone the problem was getting to the red zone sustaining drives to get to the red zone that is the biggest thing um, but again, you know, that those numbers include you know, switching quarterbacks, uh, playing quarterbacks that were hurt, you know, uh, you know, just injuries everywhere. So, like I said, the biggest thing is health. And um, which, which brings me to um, talk about Jordan Travis as the starter and kind of just giving an overview of what to expect from him 
And I really think, and I kind of draw from my own experience on this. I remember when I was a freshman, um, moving, transitioning from high school to college, you know, you kind of, you knew, you knew you could play, but it's like, you still kind of question yourself. Right. And you get to college and you kind of like, man, you know, um, everybody's the same size. Um, you get to practice and you, you, you kind of start second guessing yourself. And, you know, you got to think about with Jordan Travis, you know, he came from Louisville. Uh, the coaches didn't believe in him. He didn't get any opportunities. Uh, people flat out told him he couldn't throw. And so he's dealing with all of that. And then you go out and they bring in um, Mackenzie Milton and you got to compete, which you want to, you know, you want to compete. But at the same time, uh, Jordan sustained injuries. He couldn't really practice, which, you know, slowed his development uh, because he couldn't get enough practice reps. And you kind of saw him doubt himself a lot last year. And he just, you know, people continue to say he's not the guy. And, and I didn't never say he he wasn't the guy, but I was saying you know, he was limited as a quarterback. Um, and on top of, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. But I think you saw that once once he, you know, they kind of gave him the keys and they basically were like, you're the guy whenever um, he started against Syracuse. I mean, he he won the starting job, but it was almost like it was by default. But whenever he was reinserted uh, against Syracuse, you know, they won that game. Then they went and, you know, he had one of his best games against North Carolina. And, um, you know, then they beat UMass. Um, then he struggled against Clemson. He missed a game against NC State. And then he was, you know, killing Boston College. You know, he had a good game against Miami, so forth and so on. So I think you saw that confidence begin to grow. And I, I remember as a freshman, like, kind of, you kind of start believing, like, hey, man, I played well today. And then the next day, you you know, you kind of put it together. And then the next day, you kind of put it together. And you're like, mm, that guy that's starting to send the field, you know, I was like, hmm. Yeah, you know, I can I can beat him out. I just need an opportunity. I just need an opportunity. And and I and I may have shared this story before, but I remember I remember I kind of got really cocky and I was like, man, you know, we had the first game of the season and I was like, you know, we had uh when it, when it was a road game, you had to go check the the coach's door for the travel roster because everybody can't travel um for the game. And so I remember I was like, bro, I ain't even going to check the roster. I know I know I'm going to be on a list. And so I didn't even go check the roster. I just like put my uniform on in my dorm room, got my bag, but I had to go past the coach's office to get to the van or whatever. And so I remember I, I, I went by the coach's office and I like just happened to look at the list and my name wasn't on there. And I was like, wait, what? And, uh, and so they, I didn't go to the, I didn't go to the first road game. And, um, and so when, when they got back, uh, I talked to, I went and talked to the coach. I said, Hey, you know, I, I felt like I should have been on the uh, the travel list. And so he shared with me, you know, his thoughts or whatever. And um, what I need, I said, well, what do I need to do to, to make the travel list? And so he straight up told me. And so that's what I did. And so, you know, so game two goes by, home game, don't get to play. Game three goes by, don't get to play. Four or five, uh, don't get to play. Game seven rolls around. I don't start sitting in the dugout. And I'm just thinking like, man, if I ever get this opportunity, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, my granddaddy used to say, when the phone calls, you got to answer it, right? So I was like, when this phone calls, when it rings, I'm going to answer it. And so it was, uh, we were blowing this team out, and it was the um, the ninth inning, uh, and coach was like, get a bat, get ready to hit. And I was like, oh yeah. And so got up there, and um, 
you hear me on Twitter, you will hear me. You read on Twitter me when I'm talking about baseball. I'm, I'll talk about I was really aggressive. I, I always look up first pitch fastball. And, of course, first pitch he threw, fastball, bam. Single, two RBIs. All right, next game, don't start. We're blowing this team out. Uh, I think it was like eighth inning. You know, Kelvin, get a hit, get a bat. Oh, yeah, get up there, first pitch fastball, boom, get a hit. Next game, don't start. Uh, we're losing. We're getting blown out. And uh, he's like, get a bat. I go up there, first pitch fastball, get a hit. Next game, I start. I never come out the lineup again uh, for the next four years. You know, and it's, and it's all about confidence. And so I said all that to say this with Jordan. Jordan, he's going into this season. He knows it's his team. He knows he's the starter. And you may say, well, okay, well, knowing you're the starter, he may not work as hard. But at the same time, he knows a lot of people still doubt him if he can be the guy. You know, can he stay healthy? Can he throw the ball? You know, can he be consistent? Can he play better than he did last year? Um, Because FSU hasn't had a winning record, you know, since he's been at FSU, even though he's still the sole responsible reason for them winning the games that they won. You know, so I I still think he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to prove – you know, people wrong that, you know, that he is the guy. And so, um, you know, he's he's showing that, you know, he's he's taking ownership of the team. Uh, you can see it in his interviews. And uh, he seems to be walking around with a lot of confidence. And I think those last three games uh, from last year are going to, um, you know, transfer over to this year. And uh, we're going to see a, a different guy as long as he can stay healthy. So, uh, interested in, into that. And so the last, the last thing I want to talk about is um, the pressure on Mike Novell this year. You know, this is, you know, I've talked about it before. This is um, a make or break year for Novell. Um, I'm expecting they, they can win eight games. I've said it. I wrote about it. They can win eight games. If, if Travis stays healthy, there's no question they can win eight games. What's the minimum he's got to win is it's probably seven. And then it just depends on, which games they lose, how they lose them, you know, that, that sort of deal. Um, but when you go back to last year, you say, man, they started 0-4 with a, with a loss to Jacksonville State. And I'm just telling you, man, any, man, 90, 90, 95% of the coaches out there would have folded, would have folded in that situation. Not to mention, you know, it's his second year. And you're at a place like Florida State with crazy expectations, even though the roster still is, is real suspect. And you start 0-4, and you're already hearing, you know, chirps of, you know, fire him, blah, 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 blah. And, man, it takes it takes a dude, man, to get guys to continue to, to buy in when you start 0-4 with a loss to Jacksonville State. Plus, a lot of guys that, that are transfers that just got there. Because as a transfer, it's real easy to say, man, bump this. I'm going to do my thing and see if I can get drafted, right? Um, but to get those guys to continue to buy in, to continue to believe, and and then finish the season, the last eight games, five and three. And when you go back and think about it, when you go back to the 2020 season, man, remember how FSU would like face like a, a smidget of adversity and they would fold. I mean, they would get blown out. I mean, you could, you could, you could turn the ball over and you automatically knew the defense was going to give up a touchdown. You was like, Oh, you can go ahead and write this. It's over. But 
you saw that in the first game last year against Notre Dame. You know, got down and then came back. Um, you know, the Miami game, they got down and it started the fourth quarter. Miami goes over and, you know, gets all in their face and jumping up and down like they're crazy, you know, trying to intimidate FSU. FSU doesn't back down. Gets the ball, last drive, go score, win the game. So there's a stark difference um, in this team from 2020 to 2021. And you got a lot of the same pieces back. Um, you got experience at every level on the defense. Uh, offensive lines got uh, more experience, more physical ready bodies. You're going to have a rotation of seven to eight guys there. You, you know, the only question mark really is Travis staying healthy. Got more talent at wide receiver, more depth. And, you know, Mike Novell's got a shot, man. He's got a shot to to turn this thing around. Um, he just got to win, you know, just got to win. But I just want to kind of put that out there. A lot of people may be, may be questioning, like, man, can can Novell get these guys to 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 continue the climb and and, and make progress and, and win, you know, those, those seven or eight games that they need to win? And, bro, if they didn't fold when they were 0-4 last year, man, they – I don't think they're going to fold. I don't think they're going to fold. I think I think they're going to rise up and step up to the uh the opportunity and um and and do do well. I think they're going to surprise some people as long as they um, you know, don't have any key injuries. So, I'm um, looking forward to hearing what happens at at fall camp. I'm really excited. Man, I can't wait. I mean, just been counting down, counting down. Um we're putting out a lot of articles on Chop Chat. Um so if you haven't had a chance to go by there, I'll put out some information on uh, the FSU, um, the offenses that they'll face. Um, I put out information on the defensive that they that they'll face. And looking back on it, they only faced a couple of really legit defenses last year, and they only faced a couple of legit offenses last year. So the key to it is if the defense is what we think is going to be this year for FSU, and the offense, you know, takes that next step. That's why I'm thinking. Man, they can surprise some people because there's only there's still only a couple of defenses on on the schedule that that can that can cause some problems. Um, but everybody else, you know, I think FSU should be able to score. And if the defense is what we think it is, then hey, there you go. But um, that's all I have, guys. I really appreciate the support. Um, thank you for the questions on Twitter. Thank you for the couple of um, five star reviews that we got. Um, between the last podcast and this one, if you hadn't had a chance to to go do that, we really would appreciate um, five-star reviews. That helps a lot. Um, also, um, give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, I'm on there personally at KH Chop Chat, and then you can also go to Built for Playmaker on Twitter. We're always on there um, you know, putting out information, talking junk, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you check out uh, betonline.ag. And uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, share it online. Um, if you feel like this is entertaining, informative, um, really appreciate um, anything you can do to help spread the word about what we do here. Um, so until next time, go notes. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.